You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, 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 out there in podcast land. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Renewed You podcast. I'm your host, John Yule, and I'm glad you're with us for part two of our discussion on anger and how we can get control of anger so the anger doesn't get control of us. And I've got my friend back with me, Jeremy Griffin. Hey, Jeremy. Hello. So glad you're back, man. It's good to be here. I agree. I have to go to the bathroom. Well, I'm going to hold it. I'll tell you what. If everyone listening, if I, if I sound antsy or quick, if I talk fast, that's why. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And with that note, we've also got our special guest, uh, Dr. Teresa Davis is with us. And if you were with us in part one, uh, we talked about uh, the character or the correlation between ADHD and anger. Um, and some of those characteristics would be, you know, uh, impulsivity, uh, unable to control your impulses. You, you act before you think disorganization. Sounds like a teenager. It does. Disorganization. (laughs) Maybe, maybe an ADHD person got stuck in teenage years. I don't know, but, um, it's not just teenagers and kids that struggle with, struggle with it. Adults do too. Um, and so I encourage you to check out the comments, uh, or the description of this podcast. I've put links to both the anger book and the anger workbook by Teresa Davis. I would encourage you to get those off of Amazon. And right here at the end of this episode, we're going to give you information on how you can get connected with her. If you're in the Oklahoma city area, um, and would like to experience some counseling and help. She also does virtual counseling if you're not in the area. So Teresa, um, we talked about anger and we talked about ADHD a little bit. Um, why don't you uh, just kind of jump on wherever you want as we kind of move towards helping people deal with it? Okay. I think maybe we should start first with, um, it's actually chapter one of the book and it is called Anger is a Choice. And one of the things that I watched before I wrote this book on a continuing basis is parents getting onto your children when they blamed someone else for something they did. Why did you do that? He made me, right? That's what kids do. And so the parents would say, take responsibility for what you did, don't blame other people, blah, 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 blah. But then at the same time, we hear the parents blaming the kids. Mm -hmm. You make me angry. You made me do this. You made me do this. And so the parents are teaching the kids how to blame and then getting onto the kids for blaming. And so as I I really dug into that and started examining it, I came up with a question, what in life do you have a choice about? So the things that we have a choice about in life are things like our friends, our jobs, what we do to enjoy life, where we go to church, those kinds of things. What do we not have a choice about? Well, the first thing that we don't have a choice about is other people's behavior. We don't have a choice about how, what other people do, right? Right. But we do have a choice about what we do. 
Now, a lot of people, when you ask them, what do you have a choice about? What do you not have a choice about? They'll say, well, we can't choose taxes. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can choose whether or not you're going to pay your taxes. Um, and some people will say life, and for the most part, we don't have a choice about when we're going to die. You know, we don't have a choice about our parents, our siblings. We really don't have a choice unless we spend a bunch of money on how we look. This is what God created. But we have a choice about our behavior. We have a choice about um, how we respond to other people's stuff. Mm. And so that statement of you make me angry is a lie yeah there is nobody twisting your arm behind your back and saying get angry get angry there's nobody making you get angry you're choosing to get angry based on the circumstances you're choosing to get angry based on someone else's behavior or whatever and so i got to really thinking about that and i said well if we can choose to get angry can't we choose to not get angry i would love to say yes i think there are sometimes i have felt like i couldn't control it well, I think that that's true with most of us, but I don't think. But I think that's the out. And I think that's a lie. Is to say, I can't control it. Right. That gives us the out of responsibility. Yeah, my kids used to say, Mom, why do you have to yell all the time? I can't help it. You guys make me so angry. And then the doorbell would ring and I'd go, hi, how are you? Or the <laughs> phone would ring and I'd be perfectly oh, fine. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I could control it. I was choosing not to. And so maybe it's a process that we have to learn. And like we talked about in the earlier podcast, acting instead of reacting, you know, learning how to put some of these principles into place. But the first step in overcoming your anger is coming to that place of understanding other people don't make you angry. Mm. You choose anger for whatever reason, and you can go through the process to learn how to choose to not respond in anger or to be angry but to respond appropriately. Yeah. I think about being blindsided because as you're saying that I'm thinking, okay, so, uh, I fail at making the choice all the time <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Thank you so for admitting that. Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, that's no problem. If I didn't and my wife listened to the podcast, I'd be a liar too. So, um, no, but I think about, so the first thing typically is unmet expectations, right? Whatever my expectation is, somebody didn't meet it and now I'm angry. Even if it's somebody I don't know, right? You, we talked in the last episode about driving. I don't yeah. know if it was off or on air, but uh, but that triggering, you know, anger. And so I think what happens, what has helped me a little bit in this, and if I think anyway, is exploring the possibilities of unmet expectations before it comes up. So like with my kids, I the other day we left the house and and Jake had gotten this new box of fidget toys right and it's a whole treasure trove of fidget toys some of the coolest things I've ever seen and I typically kind of roll my eyes at those but I shouldn't anyway so we leave the house and we're going to lunch and he's like I forgot my fidget box and you know Lori's response and would typically be my response is well that's all right we can go on with and he's like no it's not all right and he starts kind of melting down a little bit well I have been processing already (laughs) the potential of what you know he could do that and how do I want to respond and so I stopped I said Jacob all you have to do is say dad just politely say dad can we go back and get it you're just screaming out that you forgot it and now we're responding but I said that's what I need you to do next time I'm going to turn around and we're going to go back and get it but I would have normally been just 
angry, angry, angry at his meltdown. But I've learned to expect that that's a possibility. And so now that, that when that comes up, it's made it easier for me to make a decision about it. And with that said, if he makes that decision, if that comes up too often, I still get angry. Is it just me being a jerk? Um, no, it's it's like you said, being caught off guard, not expecting it. And I do think that, I mean, I think unrealistic expectations are huge because we have an expectation, two things. We have an expectation that things should Mm. be a certain way. That That should is terrible. It is. It's a nasty word. I used to tell people you shouldn't have to reboot windows to make it work, but hey, here we are, right? (laughs) Yeah. I tell people, remove that word from your vocabulary because it's a nasty word. But we have that expectation that what we do and what we believe is normal and people out there should do things the Mm -hmm. way that we do them because we're right Mm -hmm. and they're wrong, right? And then the other thing is we look at life based on what we want, not on what's real. (laughs) That's What's wrong with that? (laughs) That sounds exactly right. (laughs) I have a a guy that has been in my anger management over and over and over. He did an endorsement in my book. He, he he, He was my board president for like 10 years, I think. And he said to me, he finally came to realize not, I don't have any expectations and then I'm never disappointed. Mm-hmm. Now, my problem with that is where's faith? Right. Um, but, you know, a simple thing, an expectation. I had a client that was fought with his dad constantly. And this is a grown adult man, 40 years old, mm. constantly fighting with his dad. And he said, my dad asked me to go fishing with him this weekend. And he said, I am just really, really hoping that we have a good weekend. And I said, why are you going into that with that kind of an expectation? You yeah. know your dad. You know what the two of you do. If you go into that weekend with an expectation that things are going to be any different than they normally are, you're going to get disappointed and you're going to be very angry. Be real. What is right. this weekend going to look like? What for Realistically, what is this weekend going to look like? And when he came back after that, tr- that weekend fishing with his dad, he had the best weekend ever. Yeah. Because he just accepted the truth about what it possibly was going to look like. Right. Well, it's just like going to see a movie. Everyone's talked up. Yeah. If you if they if no one said a word, you'd probably enjoy it. But yeah. because the expectation for that movie is it's going to be amazing, you're like, eh, it's all right. Yeah. And so just reverse it. <laughs> Not to be negative, but right. it's like going to it going, eh, this could happen. And if it doesn't, that'll be great. But, uh, you know, whatever. And And sometimes we put unrealistic expectations on other people and then we get angry because they don't meet those expectations and a lot of times our expectations on other people are so unrealistic they're not even ones that we would do ourselves Mm. and the holy spirit convicted me one day when i was teaching anger management at a agency that worked with kids that um i mean adults that had lost their kids in the system somehow and i was teaching this class on um unrealistic expectations i think and so I was talking about um, people were getting mad because they've taught their kids how to clean house, but yet they keep doing it wrong. Oh, wow. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. When you go in the kitchen, for example, and you clean up the kitchen, do you always take every single thing off of the cabinet and clean under everything and put it all back and make sure it's all perfect? Or do you just clean the front every once in a while? And then, I mean, most of the times, yeah. and then every once in a while you clean off all the cabinets and you do it all really, really good. 
They said, well, yeah, that's normal. I said, then why do you expect your kids to do it perfect every time? If anything, it's not that good. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or most of the time we pick up trash out of our car and we throw it away and we don't vacuum it and clean all the dust and stuff. But sometimes we do. Yeah. We have to look at life from that way. We don't, we don't do it perfect all the time. Why do we expect other people to? Mm. But yet that's huge triggers for anger. Mm. Huge triggers is I expected you to do it this way and you're not, so you're wrong. Yeah. And then anger starts. So far what I'm hearing, let me summarize what I think I'm hearing and see if we're hearing the same thing. If somebody's going to get control of their anger um, instead of letting their anger control them, I think, number one, they got to accept responsibility for being angry. Yes, number so one. Stop. That's what we mean by stop blaming. No. I refuse to accept responsibility. <laughs> then, then anger has control of you. That's so, fine. <laughs> but we got to accept responsibility that, you know, I have an anger problem. It, it took a long time for me to admit that. I knew it. Does that make sense? Yeah, It's I did one too. thing to know you got an anger problem. It's another thing to just let it come out of your mouth and own it and say, I have an issue. Because I think the reason why it was hard for me was because I knew once I verbalize it, I've now got to deal with it. And as long as I don't say it, <laughs> then, you know, it's not that big of an issue. I think we got to accept responsibility. Um, and then what you were just saying there, we got to learn to make different choices and making the choice between positivity and negativity. Yeah. And I think that um, a lot of times people want to blame to make themselves feel, feel better. better about themselves instead of admitting gosh, maybe I do have a problem. Maybe this is my fault and maybe I need to learn how to work on it. Well, it's I, so much easier to blame everyone else. I think you're right, especially within our our culture where nobody wants to be wrong because to be wrong means you're at fault. And if you're at fault, then you've got an issue. You want me to go deeper than that? Go ahead. Because I know we've gone here, so go. I know where you're going. This is something the Holy Spirit revealed to me and it was so clear did you play sports when you were growing you, up, John? Yes, I did. And when you played, did you like to win? Always wanted to win. I mean, that was the goal. Why play if you're not going to win? So when you lost, did you come off the field hooping and hollering? No, Yay, because we lost we were, today. No, because we were rejected because we lost. And then you go through all those emotions of why did we lose? And we're not as good as that team. And, and therefore, when you lose, you're a loser. Loser. The big L. And so it doesn't matter what it is in life. If we're wrong, we're losing. And that we start teaching kids that when they're in preschool soccer, you know, and, you know, they say, oh, we're not going to keep score. Kids know. Kids know whether they win or lose, you know, one way or the other. They know and they don't come off the field jumping up and down. Yay, we lost today. You know, no one I, wants to lose. No, and I think our culture with all the participation trophies. Okay, check this out. So one of my kids was on a football team, um, and all he was, he basically was on the practicing team at the time. He was in junior high. Um, but they won a state championship. And so everybody on the team got a ring. Do you know the one ring he doesn't display? That one. Because he, internally. Pride on it? Yeah, he's like, I didn't earn that. Yeah. I wasn't on the, so we think, so are the participation trophies for the kids or are they for the adults who struggle with feeling like they're losers all the time? You know, so, um, and that will trigger anger instantly. I mean, Johnny, you know, because you've said before you're competitive, very competitive. and even if you're just playing a board game, you want to win. 
and the anger will come up in you the minute you realize you're not going to win that game. Mm-hmm. Why? Because <laughs> you're supposed to win. Why? <laughs> you got to go you got to you got to switch to that Kevin Durant mentality. If you're going to lose with this team just go, go join the team. team that beat them. You know, well it's funny cuz I used to, you know, I talked about before realizing that my wife was right in an argument and then just telling her, you're right, I'm wrong. Well, I summed that up into the, that's the secret to always being right. Admit when you're wrong. Yeah. And now you're instantly right again. Yeah. <laughs> you're on the winning side. Yeah. That It's the easiest thing in the world. Well, I know. In f- my mind. I, you're right. I know for. for See, how'd that feel? <laughs> you're right. I know for a fact that um, if we don't, once we own our responsibility for being angry, then we go to that self-talk battle. And we everything now, else we comes after that. Exactly. You've You're got right. to get to that place of I have an anger problem and it's mine. It's not anybody else's. No one else is to blame for it. Even if you have a history of abuse or abandonment or any of those things, it's your responsibility to identify that and work through it so you're not angry. But it's still not your parents' fault or your teacher's fault or everybody else's fault. And it goes back to that choice thing that, that we've talked about before, you and I, that I can't control what someone has done to me. Right. But I can control what I do to somebody else. But until you take ownership for whatever it is for this podcast, we're talking about anger, you're never going to move to the next step of them being able to control the thoughts in your head that is like the gasoline right. on your anger when we get negative. And, and uh, I know for me, man, I, I've told you, I've described the negativity as being a rat on a wheel, that mouse on the wheel. And um, I, I know what it's like to be on that wheel. And it's frustrating to have other people around me in my life when I'm on that negative spiral who try to come around and they're, what they're trying to do is, is get you off the wheel, but they don't understand that all they're doing is speeding the wheel up. Right. You know, would you say all they're doing is making you angry? No, 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 no. (laughs) But when you're in a, when you are in a, when you're in a spiral of negativity and somebody comes in and tries to be, the counterbalance of being oh over, it's frustrating of being overly positive what they're they don't realize is they're just driving this person even farther into that but if we take responsibility those that are trying to be positive aren't making me stay spiraling i've just got to change the conversation in my head it's about making that choice to not engage in it which is hard it's hard I, I'm not going to lie to you and say it's easy, especially if you're 40 or 50 years old and you've been doing it the other way for, you know, how many years? And it's not something that changes overnight. I, got, I just got to thinking, sitting here, we talked about something, uh, several, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago. Um, man, maybe we... A, you taught me that anger kind of has... You don't use these words. I'm using these words. Anger has a cousin. Worry. Because anger and worry kind of go together. Talk into that for a minute. Well, the problem is when we're worried, of course, that's the opposite of faith, so we're not trusting God, but we're more triggered into getting angry because here we are, we're, we're um, I don't know, on the edge right here, mm-hmm. and then something happens, you know, we're kicked off the edge because we're in a place of negativity and worrying and not trusting God, and the thing that I said to you that caught you so much was the bible says worry is a sin 
11 times it says do not worry if jesus said do not fill in the blank and you're doing it you're sinning yes ma'am and so my what i said to you johnny is make a choice to not sin on purpose Mm -hmm. make a choice to not sin on i mean we sin that's we're human we sin but when you're doing that you're making a choice to sin on purpose and you're just opening yourself you're opening yourself up for the attacks of the enemy because you're not walking in faith so if you're a christian again this is from somebody who is in the battle with you okay she is she is correct um i mean i read the statements of jesus my whole life and it wasn't until we had that discussion that i went back and i saw um the 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 voice when jesus turned to his disciples at one point and said don't worry about your clothing don't worry about it in that section in matthew um, where he says don't worry but it took a while for me to hear that in the same voice as the God who wrote on the tablets when he said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It's the same voice that says, don't worry. Worrying is a sin. And I begin to deal with that in my own heart and ask myself why. And here's where I've settled on it. When I'm worrying, I'm not trusting. Exactly. When I'm worrying, I'm trying to control a situation. Whereas if we're trusting, we're letting God take care of the situation. And that actually allows us to live in a state of rest and in a state of peace when we're not having to control and everything. When you're worrying, there's three things you worry about. What's already happened, you can't change that. What might happen or what's happening right now. There's three things and worrying doesn't change any of those. It only makes them worse. And uh, so you're in that place yeah. of worry, 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 and your kids come in and they're fighting with each other. What do you do? You're already in a negative place. You snap and you yell and scream at them. Get out of here. I can't deal with that right now. I already have my plate full. This is stupid. And now your kids have suffered the consequences because you were in the negative mindset. And probably it was some simple little thing that you could have fixed with your kids. And it probably was stupid. Not to disvalidate that statement. (laughs) It probably probably was was stupid. Right. (laughs) But yes. But worrying about whether or not you're going to have the money. Yeah to pay your electric bill is not going to pay the electric bill right what you do is you pray and you say lord i've done everything that i know to do correctly i have spent my money wisely and there's not enough so now i'm trusting you to provide because that's what your word says you're going to do and then every time that worry starts to come back up you say i have already put that in god's hands and i'm trusting him and i'm not going there yeah and you make yourself think about something else people think how do you do that you make yourself think about something else yeah well guys we can do it i mean (laughs) of those three that you mentioned there i think the one that is the hang-up has usually been the hang-up for me is the things of what might happen because that is such a broad optional spectrum and if you're someone who struggles with anger and add adhd what you're probably going to notice when you take responsibility is you tend to always think about the worst and you absolutely it's like worst case scenario i used to tell myself i'm going to prepare for the worst and be pleasantly surprised well that is completely opposite of what we tell kids at graduations every year shoot for the moon and you'll hit the stars that's exactly opposite of faith it's it's totally opposite but yet when you're in that negative thought spiral that's where your worrying takes you what's usually driving the worry at least in my life it was okay this is the worst case scenario this is probably what's going to happen nine and a half times out of ten that is not what happens let me give you an example this last week brad and i had this huge conversation because we're getting ready to retire 
I've been looking for a job for the last over a year and I'm either overqualified because I have a doctorate degree, I've applied for DHS jobs and they won't hire me because I'm overqualified, or underqualified because I'm not licensed by the state. And I chose, long story, but I chose to not get licensed by the state because I'm a Christian and I don't want yeah. them telling me who I can see and who I can, you know, all those things. So I'm like, okay, if I go ahead and retire, we're going to get a very small amount of money because I've worked nonprofit and I've worked for free most of our marriage. And um, I can make an additional $1,200 so I can see a few clients make additional, but that's not enough. Well, Brad's got three years until he retires. And so I'm like, honey, our deal has always been he makes the money, I take care of it. Yeah. And he's wanting to buy this and he's wanting to buy this and he's wanting to buy this and he's take money out of state. And I said, honey, we're getting ready to retire. When you quit working, our money is going to be cut in half. In half. We can't live on half of our money. And so I'm going on and on. Stop. You can't spend, you know. So we have this big old huge conversation. You know, he's just all downcast because I keep telling him no, 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 no. So I go to bed. I'm praying about it. And the Lord said, who provided Brad with that yeah. job? Mm. Well, you did, God. Well, who provided him with that salary he's making? Well, you did, God. Well, what makes you think just because he's retiring that I'm going to quit providing? Exactly. See, I was worrying about it because I didn't have my faith that God was going to continue to do the same thing he's always done for that, and that is provide. Right. Uh, provide abundantly more than we need so that we have enough to give back into the kingdom of God. And right. we're givers. We give. Right. So... God's not going to stop just because it's time for Brad to retire. So here I am worrying, frustrated, getting mad at him because he's just being Brad. But now my anger is up and I'm mm -hmm. frustrated because I'm worrying. I get you. I think that's why Jesus goes through that diatribe of, of about worrying. And um, it would do all of us some good to read that on a consistent basis and then ask ourselves, God, why don't I trust you to take care of of the things that you promise you're going to take care of. I mean, more than once, more than once, you know, um, but let's, let's continue how, if someone is listening today and let's say they're at the beginning stages and they've listened to these two episodes and they're starting to think, you know what, I've got an anger problem, but, but how, how do I really start to get a hold of this? Okay. You tell me I'm supposed to take responsibility Okay, that sounds all right. I can do that. And then you tell me I need to change the way I'm thinking, and and well, that sounds a little bit harder. But but what would be some practical approaches someone could take to get control of their anger? You go to Amazon.com and exactly. you type in Dr. Teresa Davis, <laughs> Victory Over Anger. There you go. And you order the book and the workbook, and you start working through. And folks, links For to real. both of those are in the comments section of this podcast. You know, it's even to that point, I was thinking this whole time, I'm evaluating, do I have an anger problem? And I think my question, because it's just, you know, I want to know. So my question is, what are those things? What? How would you, like, if you have someone come into the office, where do you kind of start seeing behavioral things that would indicate you you have an anger problem because I don't know that everybody would be able to recognize it. Well, I I ask questions. And so I, I will ask questions like, um, if this happens, how would you respond? Mm. Here's the main one, and I remember asking you this. I feel like I got a spotlight during these two episodes. You invite your therapist on a podcast <laughs> and you wonder why. That's all right. 
I'm just average. You opened the door. <laughs> hey, if I've got problems, everybody's got problems. That's right. Um, I, this is one of the main things I ask. If your wife was to come in here and sit down in my counseling center and I asked them to describe you to me, what would they tell me? Mm, that's good. And here's the thing. When you're not in the middle of a conflict and you don't know that that is an evaluation question and you're just answering it, you're going to be pretty honest. Right. And, you know, I'll just ask, well, what does she tell you? What does she say to you? What is what is it that she doesn't like? What does she complain about? And they will tell me. And that opens the whole door for me to know exactly what's going on with that person. Yeah, that makes sense. Why does that question seem to open the door? Because they're honest with the answer. And your spouse knows you better than anybody else. And you know what your spouse likes and doesn't like about you. Right. No, my spouse thinks I've hung the moon. Well, I've talked to her a couple of times. <laughs> All right. Now that worrying thing is kicking Ooh. in. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about something else real quick. How do your emotions play a part in anger? Okay. They are they're all in there the forefront. <laughs> yeah, but see, Jeremy, really that's what most people think and they don't realize that under every single drop of anger there's another emotion. Well, for me it's all well, I think it's personal offense, it's hurt, it's disappointment. And a majority of the time that's it. But here's the problem is society teaches us that it's okay to be angry. It's okay to act out in public. People just expect that. But you are not going to stand up and say, you just hurt my feelings. Well, yeah, I had to start doing that. But do you do it in public? Yeah. Well, and not, it's not really a fair assessment because I'm a weird person. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I just, I want to cut to the chase. I feel like if I, there was a dude that, that uh, church I went to a long time ago. One of the first times I was preaching, I was co-preaching with a guy and it was the youth pastor and me. And the youth pastor said that the disciples were idiots before the Holy Spirit. And he says this on the stage. Well, one of the guys didn't like that. Right. So come Sunday morning, he's like, he, this was a Wednesday night, Sunday morning, he finds me and he says, I really didn't appreciate you calling the disciples idiots. And it was right in the middle of the foyer. And part of the reason I probably do it in public is because I discovered this moment in public, <laughs> right? So he says, I don't appreciate you doing this or uh, calling the disciples idiots. And I said, well, I didn't. <laughs> it was the other guy. But then I said, I stopped him dead in his tracks. And I said, man, do you love me? I said, because what I'm feeling is like, you just want me to fail, that you want to be critical, that you don't love me. If you're correcting me as an elder of, you know, person, then, then do that. But what you're saying to me is just hurtful. And so I just, I, and, and the reason it, it's not anything like uh, super, well, it is supernatural, but that had a result that I never forgot. Mm. It stopped him in his tracks and he said, well, yes, of course I do. And so for me, I realized right then, man, I don't like, if I want to solve an issue like that, I'm just going to deal with it right there in that moment. And so, yeah, there are times, absolutely. I just get angry because I don't stop to process that. But a lot of times I'm like, what, what you said hurt my feelings. And that makes me want to get mad Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm surprised you hurt my feelings. And I think that it's not just hurt. I mean, for men, a good majority of the time is disrespect. If a man yeah. feels disrespected, then he will lash out in anger. Um, and, and, and anger is an emotion that God gave us. For example, you're driving down the street and a car runs into yours right where your kid is sitting in the back seat. I'm going to be angry. 
instantly <laughs> anger is going to come out you're going to jump out of your car but you know but the truth is before anger ever hit in there was fear right mm-hmm. right but we have learned as a society that anger is the one the part the the expression the emotion that it's okay to express when you're embarrassed mm. Mm-hmm. It's a whole lot easier to act anger, angry than to say, that embarrassed <laughs> right. me. You fall down on ice with a bunch of people around and you get up and you're mad. Not Some people laugh, you know, but... Right. Yeah. And, a, and that kind of laughter usually is covering it's up. Just, yeah, it's deceptive. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Switch <laughs> <laughs> gears. So you, you can go through the whole gamut of emotions and you can identify one of the five stages of guilt mm-hmm. is anger. I mean, of grief is anger. Yeah. You know, all of these emotions that we deal with, we have learned, and most of us learned it from our parents, you handle it with anger. Mm-hmm. Is there a positive to anger? Yes. Protection. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Injustice. Defense. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think, you know, you see somebody being abusive to somebody and you get angry and you go take care of that situation or someone's breaking in your house. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be spirit-filled people. We're going to walk, hello, sir. Is there something I can get for you today? No way, man. Yeah. We're going to be, why are you in my house? And we're going to go find something to drive him out of our house. Right. But that anger is a positive in, it, that, in that moment because it's driven by protectivism. Right. And so that's why the Bible doesn't say that anger is a sin. And we see all the way through the Bible where God was angry. Right. We have a extreme, did I ever give you that list of all of God's emotions? I have a list no. of scriptures mm. and next to the scriptures is the emotion of God and we're made in his image. No, God is peaceful. God is, he's just up there, you know, always, always got heart music playing in his ear. He's, he's never defending anybody. There's nothing in the Bible about Jesus coming back with a sword and an army and well, he's not mad. He's not mad. <laughs> <laughs> he's always happy with you. He always wants the best for you, you know, which he does. Right. But, but he doesn't like injustice. No, he doesn't, he doesn't. like sin. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't like wickedness and evil. He doesn't like the enemy. Right. You know? So here's the here's the problem with emotions is most men and a lot of women are raised believing that showing your emotion is a weakness. Yeah, that's true. So a little boy falls down and he skins his knee and the dad says, get up, tough it out, be, be a tough guy. Instead of picking him up and hugging him and saying, I'm sorry you got hurt, that really sucks. And so people grow up believing that you're not supposed to show emotions. It's funny because I have so many wives that come in, my husband won't show any emotion whatsoever. And the husbands come in and say, that's a weakness. I said, is it harder for you to show the emotion (laughs) or for you to hide the emotion? Mm -hmm. Well, it's harder to show it. Then it's a strength to show your emotion. Right. It's opposite of what you think. It's actually takes strength to be able to identify and show the true emotion instead of just giving in to anger. Well, and it, it, to me, it speaks to your identity, right? If you're hiding that, you're afraid that you're going to have some, your, your identity seems to be external at that point because now it's projected upon you versus it exists from you. Right. And mm-hmm. when you get to that place in your life where you're okay with that, now it's not a threat anymore. And the enemy can't hold that against you. Mm -hmm. He holds it against you and continually uses that against you as long as it's a threat. But when you come to that place where being an emotional person, being the person that God created you to be is okay, well, the enemy can't use it anymore. Yeah, it's good. Let's swivel and let's talk to parents for a minute. Let's talk to the parent who has the kid that has an anger issue. You talked in our first episode together about 
defiance, oppositional, oppositional defiance. defiance. And I know my wife is in a, a school and they deal with this all the time. Now there's IEPs. Can uh-huh. you believe that for op, oppositional defiance? And, you know, there are some people that look at that and they think, oh, well, they're just giving this kid an excuse to just be belligerent, you know, and really they take that and interpret it as having an authority problem. Um, but a parent who has a, a kid who is struggling with anger, what would be some practical things that you could give to them or, or talk to them about uh, to help them kind of reframe that situation? Well, let me say this before we go there so that parents can have an understanding of this. When we test children with ADD, we have four tests. One is for the mom, one is for the dad, one is for the teacher, and one is for the child. We take all four of those tests and we scale them together. So we have them all in a roll so you can compare the scores. In that category of aggression and oppositional defiant, the mom, the dad, the teacher almost always score up in a high, like say 80% or above. The child will score in that area in 20. So the child doesn't see that they have that issue. Right. The child has no idea. So it's not an intention. There's no purpose in being that way, and they don't even see it. They just see themselves as being normal and don't understand why they're getting in trouble all the time because they don't, they're not intentionally being anger, angry or intentionally being rebellious or intentionally being stubborn or, you know, whatever it is that the parents are accusing them of being. The child is clueless to their behavior. That's they're just being normal. That's interesting because parents probably wouldn't wouldn't think that. No, every parent is surprised. I this is what I do. I sit them on the couch, and I sit down on the floor in front of them, and I have the chart right here, in front of me, and I say, now I want you to look at this chart. I want you to see if you see anything that immediately sticks out. And that's always the first thing. Here's this oppositional defiance: eighty percent, ninety percent, eighty-eight percent, twenty percent. So why does your child only see them being 20% oppositional and you see them being 90%? I don't know why. Because they don't see themselves as being oppositional. They don't see themselves as being aggressive. They see themselves as being normal and don't understand why they're getting in trouble. So how do you help that that And that's a brain issue. That's a brain issue. Okay. Um, The first thing is patience, and that's hard for parents, especially when a child is being oppositional. I think that's hard for any parent. (laughs) It is. But parents have a tendency, well, several things. Parents have a tendency to believe that their child's behavior reflects their parenting, and so that's embarrassing. Yeah. And so they get angry at the kid because you're making me look bad, and they may not come right out and say those words, but those are that's what the feeling is inside. And um, the parent doesn't have an understand. It's about getting to that place where you can understand what a child is feeling in that moment. So that, that begins the communication. What are you feeling right now? Sit down and talk to me. What, what is it that you're feeling right now? If you're one of those parents that isn't a feeling parent and only shows your feelings with anger, and now you see your kid acting out in anger and you're not allowed to be angry, but yet you've taught them that. How is a child ever going to express anything other than anger? Because that's all they've learned and they feel this confusion inside. Perfect example is a three-year-old or four-year-old that's trying to learn to tie their two- shoes. 
tight, it doesn't work, tight, it doesn't work. They don't know how to communicate what they're feeling, so they get frustrated, frustrated and start throwing a temper tantrum, right? Right. Now, if a parent punishes that child for throwing a temper tantrum, we've not solved the problem. Right. We've just exacerbated the problem because now this child not only is frustrated because he can't tie his shoe and he can't communicate what he's feeling, he's gotten in trouble for feeling that way. So the the main thing in that situation is to get down eye to eye on your child's level or bring them up to your level, not speaking over right. them, eye to eye, let's talk about this. What is it that you're feeling? And I have a chart, it has faces all over it. Here, point to the one, which one do you feel? They may not be able to identify the word, but they can under, identify the face, the expression. Which one of these do you feel right now? Well, why do you think you feel that way? What happened that made you feel that way? Is it okay to feel that way? Well, what's an appropriate way to handle it when you feel that way? Let's, let's figure out what works for you, because everybody's different. Some, I mean, there's research all over the world about it. You have to go with each kid individually. Some say give them a pillow and let them punch the pillow. Others say that causes them to learn that when they're angry, they can hit. You got to find out what's right for your kid and learn what helps them in that situation and why. Here's what I'm hearing. I don't know what you're hearing. I'm just going to say it pretty bluntly. Parents need to grow up. They need to be mature. If your kid, if our kids are responding in emotions, we can't let our emotions trump our logic and our ability to control our own emotions so we can have those conversations of trying to figure out what is, what's really going on here. Johnny, let's use your situation as a, a perfect case example. Sure, go right ahead. You were getting very frustrated at Madison because Madison was struggling in school. Yep. And you had absolutely no clue why she was having the problems that she was having and so you were getting frustrated yes once you understood add totally made sense for why she was struggling your heart oh yeah you were just in tears knowing that your child was struggling and you were getting angry at her Mm -hmm. see a little bit of knowledge goes a long ways when it comes to parenting parents guess what you don't have it all right no (laughs) you don't have it all together you god gave us a book and it's the bible And it gives us guidelines. He didn't give us a book that came out with a baby that said, this is the way you raise this child. But what you're right. And what it helped me to do was it armed me not only with information, but it helped me to rethink how I would deal with those situations when they came up. There was much less lecturing. Oh, my word. And much more. And compassion. Yeah, much more. How how can I help you um, in, in showing her and teaching her? And I'll tell you another reason why my heart broke. Because I think every parent wants the best parts of their qualities to be transferred to their kids. Mm-hmm. Well, when you realize, when I realize that I've had undiagnosed ADHD probably my whole life, and then I had a trauma that just kicked it into a new gear. And now as I was looking at myself, when we got done with the testing, the first person I saw wasn't me. It was Madison. Mm-hmm. I totally understood her and I my heart broke because I was like she's me and I understood another level why I was getting mad at her because I was always mad at me because I didn't understand I couldn't answer why I right. did certain things and and those are still some of the problem struggle areas for me is being able to to slow down and and think through before my actions or whatever and it's frustrating and I think 
everything that we are good at in life, we practice in order to be good. It doesn't matter what it is. And no, not, not, I'm not going to say no one. Very few people do anything to learn how to be good parents. When I have people come in for counseling couples and they're having problems with their kids, well, what books have you read? None. What seminars have you been to? What conferences have you went to? Who's iPod, I, I, uh, Podcasts. Podcast or what's the other one? Video pods, whatever. Who, what, who are you listening to? Who, where are you getting help? Well, nothing. Well, then you're doing what your parents did because that's what you were taught. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. You, you don't do something to learn something different. Then you're going to repeat the same patterns that your parents did. You've got to break that cycle. Well, or do the, the exactly. polar opposite, which is not necessarily better either. Right. Yeah. Right. And so... It's about learning how to be a parent to that child. That's what it is. What is this child's struggles? What is this child's issue? And how do we parent them the best? And it isn't easy. It's not one size fits all. No. That, I think the thing that, and, and you know, anybody who's got kids probably knows this, but there's this mindset that you've got, for me, I've got three boys and you go, okay, well, they're, they're three boys. So here's what's the same and go down a list. There's nothing the same, nothing. Nothing is the same at all. Nothing. Not one thing. <laughs> and you can't punish them the same way. You no. can't reward them the same way. You, you have can't. to care enough to figure out what what each kid's thing is. I right. think for me asking why, I ask why in everything in my life, not in a combative way, in an understanding way. Like, I want to know why. What drives this? What I mean, I ask Johnny these questions a lot. Not always simply the three-letter word, but just in some form or fashion, why? You know, even when we sit down and do podcasts, that's what goes, that's the underlying thought to everything. What's the why here? Because once I, I feel like once I figure that out, I get understanding. And once I have understanding, then I can just take a totally different tack and and help shape. Because, you know, we talk about raising, I hear this all the time, people raise kids, and I think we're raising adults. We're not raising kids. Mm. And so, you know, the Bible teaches us to aim them like arrows. And I think it's interesting because sin is an archery term. He tells us to aim our kids like arrows. Mm -hmm. Well, the archery term is when you miss the mark, it's a sin. So if I'm aiming my kids like an arrow and they miss the mark, there's sin in that. It's a, it's a missing of the mark. And if I'm doing that part right, well, I'm going to, you know, every arrow, I didn't learn this until recently because I didn't have a, an arrow, uh, a bow, <laughs> but I learned that the the different heads on an arrow the arrow responds differently the different kind of arrow itself the feathers on the back like all of those things the bow, the bow all of those things are variables in how the arrow is going to fly and so uh, if i have three different arrows <laughs> i'm gonna have to aim them according to what i have and if i never take the time to look at them and see those differences and calculate those variables in my aim then i'm gonna what does any parent do? They'll probably take the first kid and they aim that. And then the other kids subsequently get aimed the same way because boom, that's what happened with that kid or whatever. And they're, they're like, well, I don't understand why it didn't work. <laughs> the first one was on the mark or whatever. And we have, we have parents that come in that have two kids that are not ADD and one that is, and they get mad because they can't parent the ADD kid the same way. Right. And I said to someone, she was a friend of mine, and she adopted her sister's daughter. Her sister was into drugs and alcohol and prostitution and, you know, and, 
And so that she, seems like a really healthy environment, is yeah. it not? She, ad- she adopted, <laughs> I mean, not daughter, son, and he was extreme ADD, which isn't surprising coming from that environment. And he wouldn't eat. And one of the uh, problems with putting kids on ADD medicine is that it kills their appetite. Mm. And so we see a lot of really tiny ADD kids. And, you know, you have to you have to balance that out. What's more important than being able to focus and, and feel good about themselves and make good grades or them being able to sit down at the dinner table and eat what you cook? Mm-hmm. And so I said to her, find what he will eat and give it to him. Mm-hmm. I'm not making two meals at dinner time. Mm. If he will eat peanut butter and jelly three meals a day, give him peanut butter and jelly. It's not really a meal anyway, right? <laughs> and she said... Um, no, we're not making special provisions for him. I said, if you took him to the doctor and you mm-hmm. found out that he had cancer. Right. And the doctor said, you need to give him broccoli three times a day because that will build up his immunities and it give him the ability to fight this cancer. Would you make broccoli three times right. a day? And she said, yeah. I said, Stephen didn't wake up one morning and decide he, first of all, wanted to be adopted by you. And second of all, that he wanted to have ADD. Mm-hmm. So maybe you need to make provisions for that because this is a disease. Yeah. He didn't choose it. And I could not get her, she wouldn't listen. And she, that's just an example. I hear it all the time. Right. Is that people don't want to make provisions for children that are different. You may be able to show a paddle to one kid and never have to use it mm-hmm. and you may beat the butt off of another child and it not do any not good do anything right you've got to learn how to deal with each one of those um, children according to what their needs are and i'm going to tell you something if you don't you're raising angry kids sure really? well it's like the same with to me i like see that correlation with love languages you know yes if you if you're a physical touch person and that's how you receive love, then getting a spanking is probably going to be devastating. If physical touch isn't part of your life, you don't care about the spanking. Right. You know, I mean, I, I know from my own life, I, physical touch is a zero in my world. And so I don't care, you know, I'm, but words of affirmation are high. So if my parents or my mom, in this case, if she ever told me something negative, man, that hit me like a brick. Right. If she spanked me, I'm like, oh, that's easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I don't care. Hey, as we wrap up here, uh, you have a section in your book um, that's, I think it's, if I was to list them, it's my third favorite, simply because it's more bullets, uh, but there's a whole wealth of things in here. I highlighted three of them really quickly. Um, some other reasons or thoughts about why we're angry. Some, I think some questions that people need to ask, you know, when they ask, why am I angry? One of them you talk about is, are you trying to manipulate the situation? How can people use anger quickly? How can people use anger as a tool of manipulation? Manipulation is any statement that tries to make the other person feel bad, period. So if you are using angry to, anger to try to get your way or to make the other person feel bad, then you're manipulating them. Okay, what about passive aggressive? Because mm. that's just nice anger, right? Dude. No, passive aggressive <laughs> is, Johnny, we are okay. What you did, I've forgiven you and we're fine. And when you go out to the car, you're parking to the parking lot, your car's tires are slashed. Right, <laughs> right. That's passive aggressive. Yeah. And and to some degree that's manipulation. I'm going to get even with you. But true manipulation is a simple example is will you come help me move? No, I've already got something on my schedule. But Johnny, you're the only one that can help me. I don't have anyone else. Yeah. I need someone with a truck and I need someone with right. muscles. You're the only one that can help. If you don't, then I'm stuck and I have to be out by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I can't do it. 
well, I thought you were my friend. You're supposed to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Christians don't tell Christians no when they need help. See, that's manipulation. Well, you can do that the same. Well, fine, then I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Right. Then the anger comes out. You're there trying to get your way by manipulating other people into feeling guilty. Uh, another example would, just because you and I have talked about it before, another example would be, um, since I'm a husband, <laughs> the husband doesn't get his way, so he stomps through the house loudly or makes noise in the, you know, gets a cup of coffee, but makes sure to shut the door to the cabinet loudly, making sure everybody knows I'm upset about this. Right. That's anger that's used as manipulation. Right, to try to make everybody. And a healthy person says, <laughs> that's yeah. what a healthy person does. So I think people need to ask themselves, be honest, you know, am I trying to manipulate this situation? Another one, am I being defensive? Talk about that one. Well, defensiveness comes from insecurity. So that's the bottom line underneath that. If you're being defended, uh, being defensive, if somebody asks you a question, um, or let's say it this way, I compliment someone else. But you don't compliment me. But I don't compliment you. (laughs) But you say, well, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. Now that's a defensive statement because now you're defending yourself, right? And that's because you're insecure. So almost every time, not 100%, but almost every time there's a, I'm defending myself is because there's an insecurity there. I think another one um, within marriages, if you're having a disagreement or an argument, a disagreement that has escalated to an argument, if you are someone who is insecure, um, then any kind of negative input you know, some people, I know there's been times I haven't even heard the words that my wife would have said. It's the tone that uh-huh. I received that then caused me to be defensive to say, oh, you're attacking me. And so then the anger comes out in that what should be a protective stance, you know, in, in, a, in a right situation now is being used in a negative way as a defensive mechanism, as a barrier to, again, try to, to control or bring hurt to the, to the person. Well, hurting people hurt people. Oh, phrases that are so true. And one more uh, that I don't think people would think through. And this one I, um, I think is, is really worth discussing quickly. Um, some people can use anger to get attention. Yeah. That would be that guy slamming the door, actually, probably. Yeah. And when you go in the store and instead of handling things in the correct way, you're yelling and screaming at the cashier. Oh, come on. We've seen those people in the store. Right. And it's not the cashier's fault. It's just your way of getting your way. You know, throw yourself in the floor and throw a big boy temper tantrum in the middle of the store. That's what they do. And when I hear clients come into my office and they tell me they've done that, I said, really, you enjoy grow- throwing big boy temper tantrums, huh? <laughs> and then I'll use the example. Well, what about that little kid that didn't get the sucker they wanted and they threw themselves in the floor and threw this temper tantrum because they didn't get their way? And you know what they're going to say? He eventually got his way. Sometimes. <laughs> today's world. Well, isn't that sad that we've kind of built that into our society that yeah. if I throw a big enough fit yes. because my dinner was a little cold at the restaurant, they'll give me my dinner for right. free. The litigiousness of our society. I mean, you know, you get your McDonald's coffee too hot, you spill it, you get money. I mean, yeah. like, it's just our society's... Bro- now we're switching into a different podcast yeah. where we can talk about the end of the world because, man, I'm ready for that. <laughs> but the problem is that people want their way yeah and so however they can again we go back to that scripture in james that says what causes fights and quarrels among you Mm -hmm. you want your way and you don't get it it's because we want our way i was doing anger management with a youth group one time and i asked the kids 
what causes you to get angry? Why do you get angry? And one of the girls, you know, kids are good. I love kids. I love working with teenagers because they're honest. They don't care. They are honest. <laughs> and she said, well, I get really mad when I don't get my way. <laughs> and I thought, Isn't that true about all of us? Most yeah. of us don't admit it, but we want our way. And these are the things that we do in order to try to get our way. And we have learned how to manipulate the people around us so that when we act this way, they act that way and we get our way. We're cause and effect people. We continue to do things the same way over and over and we get the same results. Mm. So somebody has to do something to stop it. And I want to encourage those of you that are listening today to do something to stop your anger. Um, Hopefully you've heard from these two episodes that there is natural good anger and then there is a spirit induced anger um but there's not one universal cause to it or solution or solution and so i would encourage you to seek some counseling um and teresa davis is the one that i use and prefer that's why i asked her to be on here i want to encourage you to visit her um teresa is there a way how would someone get a hold of you if they wanted to um perhaps explore uh, some anger management with you? How, how would they do that? That's a hard question right now because Mary Hart being Because closed. Mary Hart is, is shut um, down. Do you have... They think can reach out here. They can I was yeah, going to say, how about... Yeah. I'll tell you what. How about we do this? If you would like to get in touch with Miss Teresa Davis, um, just send us an email to the following address, maryhart at newlifeokc.org. And um, again, send an email to Mary Hart. H-E-A-R-T. Yes, not H-A-R-T. H-E-A-R-T. The Mary Hart, because you know it does good like a medicine. Right. Uh, Mary Hart at newlifeokc.org. And we will put you in touch with Miss Teresa Davis. Um, I would also encourage you to get her book on anger management and her workbook. Both links are available in the description of this podcast. We hope these two episodes have been helpful to you. Because we all need to get control of our emotions. We need to deal with our hurts. We need to deal with our hangups. Why? Because they're important to renewing our life. And we want to encourage you to do that because this world needs a renewed you. God bless you. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Renewed You Podcast.